0: And welcome back to Past Loves, the weekly history podcast that explores affection, infatuation and attachment across time to bring you a touch of romance to daily life. Welcome back. Now, if you've been listening from the very first ever episode of Past Loves, way back when in May of this year, so 2020, which... (laughs) frankly does seem like a lifetime ago now. You'll remember that we started our exploration into the history of love stories in the heart of the Yorkshire countryside at Harewood House, discussing the love story between Princess Mary and Henry Lussells. And we'll be returning to the Yorkshire countryside today, which is absolutely lovely for me. It feels very much Like we're circling back, but this time we're returning a century earlier to the early 19th century. If you hadn't guessed from that and from my clue last week about the fact that this love story was based on diary after diary, this week I'm discussing the relationship between Anne Lister and Anne Walker. As a podcast that explores the history of love, I really believe that it would have been terribly remiss of me not to talk about Anne Walker and Anne Lister, particularly Anne Lister's story. The legacy that they left as a couple is vastly significant in the history of affection and attachment Anne Lister, for instance, is often referred to as the first modern lesbian. Her diaries, in particular, are such a wealth of detail about the love lives of these women in the 19th century. And they reveal so much to us about relationships in the past. Her diaries are <laughs> incredibly detailed. Like, incredibly in every way imaginable, running to an estimated five million words, but this is an estimate. I think sometimes it ranges between four and five million. She wrote a lot, let's put it that way, and about one sixth of these words are written in code. So to discuss Anne and Anne's story, I'm joined today by Angela Stidella. Angela has written several books about LGBTQ plus lives in the 18th and 19th centuries. Her book, Gentleman Jack, a biography of Anne Lister, Regency landowner, seducer, and secret diarist, uses Anne Lister's diaries, which offer such rich detail, as I mentioned, to create a portrait of her life from the most intimate details of her numerous liaisons, through to her plans to make her fortune by exploiting the coal seams under her family estate in Halifax. Alongside this ambition, she conducted a search for a wife. In 1821, she wrote, I love and only love the fairer sex. And uh, she certainly did love them deeply and passionately. (laughs) Her relationship history culminates In a marriage to Anne Walker, a local heiress This is, of course, the relationship at the centre of the BBC TV drama series Gentleman Jack It's a show I absolutely love In fact, it was probably my favourite period drama throughout the whole of last year I just, I really adored it And I thought, Saran Jones is particularly wonderful I'm also a really big fan of Anne Walker's Drawing Room. It's a lot of interior inspiration as well as mm. a. <laughs> as well for me, clearly. But quite seriously, I think the show is incredibly powerful in the way in which it has brought a lesbian relationship from history to the mass audience. So I'm very excited to be having this discussion with Angela today. I've been really looking forward to delving deeper into Anne and Anne's lives. And I hope you enjoy learning more about this remarkable couple. Welcome, Angela, and thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you for inviting me.
0: So we're going to talk very excitingly about Anne Lister and Anne Walker today. Lots of Anns to differentiate between the whole way through. But we should start with Anne Lister, who was born in 1791. How would you describe Anne as a person?
1: She was very smart, very intelligent, very curious. She was ambitious. She had a very strong will. She was obsessed with girls and with
0: words. And uh, she was sexy. (laughs) She certainly was. (laughs) Reading the diaries, I was like, oh, it's intense.
1: It's intense. If you imagine that, um, you know, there has always been pornography since antiquity. But pornography is a male discourse. And it's a discourse on imagination. And we have very rare signs of day-to-day sexuality, what people actually did in bed. I mean, when children were born, you could guess, okay, there must have been some intercourse before. But texts about what really happened were very rare before the mid-20th century, when social sciences started to ask these questions. So Ann Lister's diaries are really unique in more than one sense. It's not just that she had lesbian relationships and she writes about lesbian desire. It's actually that she writes about day-to-day sexuality at all, which is so thrilling. So,
0: yeah, she was sexy. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we could start at the very beginning and talk about what her childhood was like and what her parents were like. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, she came from a family of landed gentry, but her father was a younger brother, meaning that the family estate all went to his eldest brother, Shipton Hall and the Ancient Acres in Halifax, while Anne Lister's father had to become an officer in the army. And the family was not rich, so really her parents, and she had five younger siblings, four brothers and a baby sister. And up until she, rather late in life, inherited this Shipton Hall, all her four brothers had to die before she inherited Shipton Hall. So up until that moment in her late 20s, she just had enough money to live a decent life for the status in life she had so she had to borrow money she had to be grateful for gifts here and there and for a long time she did not have the income she needed and she wanted to have to lead the life she planned to do
0: yes but she got a good education didn't she
1: yeah this is one of the things with her strong will you know, she saw what her younger brothers got as an education. They learned Latin, they learned Greek, they, they learned math. And she wanted to have the same education, being educated as a young gentleman. And so she managed to get the priest, for example, to give her lessons in Latin or less, uh, in, and Greek and algebra. So although she was meant to have a female education, she was able to add serious courses which would be suitable for a young gentleman. And she never stopped learning as she was very curious. And she really read a lot also academic work, scientific works. She never stopped studying.
0: So who was Eliza Raine and what was the significance of their relationship at Manor House School? Yeah, Manor
1: House School was a boarding school for young girls in York. And, and Lista spent at least one year there. And there she met Eliza Rain, who would become her first love. Even uh, many years later and many other women and women lovers later, Anne Lister would still record that Eliza as the most beautiful girl I ever saw. This is a quote I remember. Eliza had an English father and an Indian mother. She was what they used to call back in these days a half-bred meaning she did not really belong into good society, but she had some money, which made it possible for her to stay in that girls' boarding school. And both girls, Eliza and Anne, obviously shared a room with each other apart from the other girls. And those two soon learned to enjoy their intimacy there.
0: (laughs) Yes, they were kind of shunned up into the rafters of the school and and found solace in each other in in many different ways. But after
1: a year, Anne Lister had to leave that boarding school, so they had to write to each other letters. And this now is very interesting because Anne Lister wanted to make sure that every love letter she wrote to Eliza did not get lost. So she made a list. Of the letters having written and received. And this list is the nucleus of what would become one of the longest diaries ever written in the English uh, language. Isn't that remarkable?
0: It's so, incredible. Uh,
1: and Lister started soon to add some personal remarks about her longings for Eliza, for example, also about her menstruation and about learning Greek. And so she added and added and added up until she realized that she was writing a diary.
0: Yes, it was the start of so many different parts of her life, exploring her sexuality, starting these diaries. And you mentioned that Eliza had this sum of money as well. They assumed that they were going to live off that sum of money, didn't Mm -hmm. they?
1: Yeah, this was the great first romantic love with woos and vows. And they planned to, as soon as they were of age, they planned to live together with Eliza's money. But it turned out that there were other sweet little girls around, and Ann Lister would leave Eliza Rain. Eliza was devastated, but Ann Lister, as so often later in her life, she simply could not resist with another beautiful face. And so we had Isabella Norcliffe come and Mariana Belcom. But we should not go on to these other girls up until we have mentioned that in this beginning of the diary, there is also the invention of the secret code, which yes. Anne Lister always used. So when Anne Lister realized she wanted to write about her feelings towards Eliza, her longing, she was in the situation that she did not have a room of her own, not even a desk or a drawer of her own. So she had to find some other kind of hiding. and She first tried to hide in script, meaning she experimented writing English written in Greek uh, letters, We're using the Greek alphabet. But she knew that would not do because the priest who was teaching her Greek would have been able to read it. So she invented this secret code made up of Greek symbols, of uh, mathematical symbols, and self-invented symbols. And up until she finally got that secret code, or crypt hand, as she would call it, which she would write as her ordinary hand as well. So she was able um, to write it as we write our uh, handwriting. And so this first love to Eliza Rain made really an impression up until the rest of her life because this secret code uh, remained.
0: Yeah. So Mm -hmm. you mentioned Mariana Belcom and she was a very significant relationship. Mm -hmm. What is the story of their relationship?
1: I think if you look at all the girls Anne Lister loved, through all her life, I think it's Mariana Belcom who was the really one and, maybe not one and true, but the most significant love of her life. Mariana Belcom and and Lister were together roughly for 17 years and they had an off and on relationship. Several times they vowed each other eternal love and had some kind of Mock marriage arrangements, but then they left each other, other again. Mariana Belcom married Charles Lawton, and Lister had several other women going on. Um, actually, I had to make an, a sex diary for her um, to uh, always to count with how many women she was dealing at the very same time. But still, for um, around 17 years, she was not able to say goodbye to Mariana Belcombe, although she, in the meantime, married Lawton. And there is strong evidence in Ann diaries that they were both very happy with each other sexually. So there was a strong union between them. And Mariana was the quote, sweet little creature, the the icon of the sweet little creature that Anne Lister adored. And I think in every other woman, she kind of looked after exactly such a sweet little creature again. But as I said, Marianna Belcom married Charles Lawton. She had to marry. Her family did not have any money. She was the daughter of a doctor, a surgeon who had more unmarried daughters. So it was simply impossible to turn down the marriage proposal of Charles Lawton. But that was the tragic of both lives, Marianas and Lister's.
0: Yes, how did Anne react to their marriage? (laughs) Actually... Not well.
1: (laughs) You know, she simply um, turned it into a menage a trois. She accompanied Mariana to Lawton Hall, to the uh, newly married home, and simply was there in that marriage from the beginning on. The moment Charles Lawton turned his back to his wife, Ann Lister would be in bed with her. So, Ann Lister did not accept this marriage as a break in her relationship with. Mariana Belcom. But Charles Lawton found out, and he forbade any correspondence between the two women, and he made sure that they cannot meet often. So it were hard times, but really for quite a long time, they tried still to have a relationship, sexual relations
0: still. Didn't they think that because Charles was so much older, that there was a chance that he would die relatively quickly after the marriage.
1: Yes, actually, they accounted. Um, this They said in 10 years or so, latest, you are a widow, my darling, and then we are going to uh, spend life with to each other. If Mariana would get some children, they would raise the children together. So they had this imagination of a rainbow family, kind of. But it would not turn out. Uh, neither did. Charles died, nor did Mariana get any children.
0: So, how did their relationship start to fizzle out? In 1826,
1: this uncle of Anne Lister died and she inherited Shipton Hall. And she actually became mistress of Shipton Hall. And at that time, Mariana was willing to leave her husband Charles and come and live together with Anne in Shipton Hall. But by now, Anne Lister not only had had numerous other love affairs with other women, but she also felt, "Hmm, now I am something, now I don't need Marianna any longer, and I might find someone better. So she turned down... Mariana's offer to come to live with her and instead she traveled for several years on the continent, especially in France, but also in Italy and Germany and Switzerland, uh, to find that female companion she was dreaming of. She imagined her to be young, pretty, rich, of high aristocracy, but willing to look up to her, to accept Anne as the gentleman. And to live with her in Shipton Hall. Although Anne Lister looked after this golden gem everywhere, she didn't find it. And in 1832, she had to come back to Shipton Hall quite broken.
0: Yes, she did. Now, what were her ambitions for Shipton Hall when she did come back, and what was that return like? Her father
1: was still there. Her mother had died long before, but there was still a life of her, her father, whom she felt was very embarrassing. She really felt ashamed of him. She liked her aunt, with whom she had spent several years in Paris, but her aunt was ailing and also boring in uh, in Anne Lister's views. And Ann Lister hated her baby sister, Marianne. So she did not get along well with her family. Actually, they ruined her nerves. And, and Lister saw herself as the head of the family and she wanted to rule the house. But this was against what the rest of the family and patriarchy thought, because the rest thought that the father <laughs> was still the main person in the house. And Anne Lister had to share her income with her father and her aunt. So there was not much money to spend. But she saw herself as a glamorous landowner who wanted to make some improvements, as she would call it, to Shipton Hall, make it look better. You know, the house was quite run down. It was not the glamorous place Anne Lister thought it should be. So she was lacking the house, she was lacking the money, she was lacking the woman at her side. To lead that respectable life of representation, she imagined herself to lead.
0: Yeah, it is very evocative of normal male contemporaries seeking the right woman and the right situation for them to continue their lives. Actually, it's a bit Disappointing when you come to
1: realise that you understand Anne Lister quite well if you look at the male rascal.
0: So how did she meet Anne Walker then?
1: We got her now in uh, 1832, devastated after years on the continent with not finding that female companion. And she wanted to change something in her life in 1832. And uh, she really was decided to find that female companion. And she made a list of those girls in her neighborhood, which uh, were still there, so to say. The rest, which no one had picked up so far. And Anne Walker ended up on top of that list. She was 12 years younger than Anne Lister, and she was a neighbor. The two families, the Listers and the Walkers, how do you call this? They, they made these, um, social form, calls, social yeah. calls to each other. And so they knew each other for long, and we have traces of Anne Walker in Anne Lister's diary long before informing us that Anne Lister did not like that girl. She found her stupid and, well, a bit nice to talk to, but not much. We learn also from the diaries that Anne Walker may have had a kind of girl's crush on Anne Lister quite early on. So when Ann Lister made, again, a formal call, trying to find out whether she could seduce Anne Walker, Anne Walker answered quite openly and uh, uh, was encouraging. And so things developed very quickly between them.
0: Yeah, so maybe we could talk a little about who Anne Walker was and why she ended up at the top of Anne's list of suitable women. How would you describe Anne?
1: One of the uh, most difficult things as a biographer of Anne Lister, who has to ask herself who was Ann Walker,
0: mm.
1: is that most of the sources we have are seen through Anne Lister's lens. Yeah. Anne Lister wanted to see Ann Walker as a frail and weak person whom she could easily dominate. And Anne Lister saw her as nervous, as being alone, as needing help, some parts of this story as told by Anne Lister might be true or might have some truth in it but I'm sure it's not the the whole truth because obviously it's colored by the wishes of Anne Lister I think for example Anne Lister portrays Anne Walker in her diaries as very shy Mm. But actually, then we learn from Ann Lister's diaries that it was Anne Walker who paved the way to her bed, yeah. um, who invited Ann Lister several times over with the words, "Don't you want to spend the night with me? Take your night things, and so on." So obviously, Anne Walker also played a pivotal role in um, in this love affair. So she was not that weak and shy person as Anne loved to see her. Mm. What was her childhood like? In the beginning, she had a brother and a sister, and in a very wealthy family. Her grandfather had made a fortune with wool mills and trade. Mm. They were, so to say, new money. Um, this was the Expression the Lister family with their yeah. ancient, as I used to call them. But as they were richer than the Listers, one had to make these social calls. So she had a very protected childhood with everything there. But then a series of deaths occurred, and and Walker lost in a very short time both her parents and her brother, the heir to all this. Mm fortune. And so she and her sister Elizabeth were left alone with lots of money, meaning fortune hunters would soon show up. And Elizabeth, her sister, soon fell prey to such a fortune hunter. His name was Captain Sutherland. Mm-hmm. And if you want, Anne Lister was a fortune hunter who turned up at Anne Walker's doorstep. Because when Anne Walker ended up on that list, all this had happened. And Walker did not have any parents any longer, and her sister was married. Just an old aunt was looking after her. So when it comes to patriarchy in society, Anne Walker, so to say, was not protected by any family who would see that not a fortune hunter would gain her heart. So how did the seduction start? Ann Lister used her usual tricks. Um, they talked about household affairs. She would feel her pulse, made Ann Walker feel comfortable. I think if she wanted, Ann Lister was a really charming person. Someone, you know, um, the heart of a party. When the door opened and Ann Lister showed up, every head would turn. So uh, she gave all this to Anne Walker, and even more. She, in her landscape garden, which she tried to develop in these years, she built a moss hut on purpose to seduce Anne Walker, because we remember Anne Lister still lived with her father and aunt and sister. So. Although she had a room of her own, but if she wanted to take someone, they had to go through the living room with all the others. <laughs> it other was so. a bit public. <laughs> <laughs> so she wanted really to have a discreet room for her own, and that was that moss hut which she built. To Anne Walker, she said, I have built this, this sweet hut only for you, my darling. And Anne Walker was charmed. So this is the room where everything began. But actually, Anne Walker felt that she wanted to spend the first night in a bed, in a proper bed and not in the moss hut. And so she invited Anne Lister to come over.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. the moss <laughs> hut just sounds so charming.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but the interesting thing is that through the lens of Anne Lister's diaries, and this is all we have for, for these months, Anne Walker was very curious to go to bed with Anne Lister, but she would not answer her marriage proposal. Mm. Anne Lister, who all her life first wanted bed and then marriage, or maybe not marriage, only bed, now for the very first time, she pretended to be shocked first to go to bed with each other and then afterwards marry. So she wanted to have a marriage, a kind of marriage arrangement before she had sex with Anne Walker. But Anne Walker wanted it the other way around. This also tells us something about Anne Walker, I think.
0: I agree. I think so too. So didn't Anne request six months to think about the wedding proposal or something like that? Yeah, she did.
1: And Lister was really serious and... As we all know, there was no gay marriage back in these days. So what did Anne Lister mean by a marriage proposal? She thought it is changing their mutual wills in the sense to give each other a life tenancy so that each other would benefit from the other's fortune. And during the marriage, Ann Lister saw herself as the the master of Anne Walker's fortune. So she wanted to do all the administration stuff and know, spend the money and know where it goes and so on, like a husband would. And she made that clear to Anne Walker. And I mean, this was not special. If you read the novels of Jane Austen, it's all about money. When they talk about love, they mean money. And you read pages about uh, which money will go where and they make all these contracts and so on, because this was what marriage was about.
0: Yeah.
1: And so Anne Lister imagined exactly such a traditional marriage between her and Anne Walker. So she was very serious. And Anne Walker realized, uh, okay, this is now really the decision for my life. And she hesitated. Hmm. So that's why she wanted to answer after six months. And then when the six months were over, were passed, she still could not decide. Then they quarreled and they split. And 1833, they spent apart from each other. And Walker went to her sister, Elizabeth, to Scotland to think all things over. And Lister wanted to travel to Russia for the first time. But when she arrived in Denmark... She got news that her aunt fell ill and she uh, hurried back to see her once in her life again. The aunt survived, but so at the end of 1833, both Anne Lister and Anne Walker were back in Halifax. They both had had months of thinking and rethinking, and then they decided in the beginning of 1834, okay, we'll do this. And I think for Anne Walker, she must have thought... My money will always play a role when it comes to marriage. Mm. She also had uh, male fortune hunters uh, at her door. And looking around her possible candidates, she decided it's the woman of them I love most. And yeah. so she decided for Anne Lister.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's sad to say that Anne Walker came across that she was pretty dazzled by Anne Lister and the fact that she gave up of marriage with a man was a clear sign to Anne Lister that she was different to all of the other women who she'd previously yeah. been with. Yes, yeah, because the love of her
1: life, Marianna Belcombe, was not, as mm. we
0: know. So there is a plaque in York that celebrates the life of Anne Lister and it reads Lesbian and Diarists took sacrament here to seal her union with Anne Walker. Easter, 1834. What is the story behind the plaque?
1: Mm. Yeah, you know, I'm not very happy with this plaque.
0: Uh, <laughs> it been a bit uh, controversial in many ways,
1: the plaque, hasn't it? it? has been very controversial. I know it had, been, uh, had to be exchanged because uh, first the word lesbian was missing. <laughs> <laughs> Who did think about that? You know, um, the
0: first modern lesbian and they just thought... <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> no, also not. Uh, but you see, this plaque tells us more about us today than about those back then. It tells us about gay marriage today and our wish to find traces in history of this. But I think it's uh, it. It doesn't need what happened uh, in 1834 between yeah. Anne Lister and Walker. Uh, first there was no priest, there was no public blessing, no nothing. And as the quote says, it's not even sure that Anne Walker thought the same. So it's just a moment when we know that Anne Lister prayed for a blessing of the union. This is not what I would call <laughs> a game <Yeah>. message. <laughs> um for example, a year later they too, the two of them, publicly laid the groundstone of a hotel to be erected. Or, and not exactly. And Lister also inherited Northgate House, which mm. was a great house downtown in Halifax. And Lister wanted to uh, turn it into a hotel and built a casino, as she uh, called it, a kind of a restaurant amendment uh, to the house. and. Both women and Listand and Walker together laid that groundstone and made speeches, both. They made it together as an open couple. Yeah. And In my view, it would be much better to put that blue clock <laughs> that. <laughs> at Northgate because. They're really both women purposely showed themselves in public as a couple yeah. investing their money together in a project they shared. So this is much more undisputable as a, a fact than this wish for a blessing and Lister had in that church. Mm.
0: But so, as a fact,
1: they uh, they both thought that um, I think February tenth in eighteen thirty four was their marriage day. Yes, so they that as as the day of their union.
0: Yes, that's what you, you wrote in your book that they'd spent a night together and they decided that that was going to be the moment of their their union and they exchanged rings. Mm-hmm. And then at this church that now has the plaque, they had not a blessing but it was more they just went to church together mm-hmm. and prayed together and took the sacrament and took the, and sacrament. the
1: sacrament yeah and um, and Lister had her thoughts <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes yes uh, it says she prayed for a a happy union and like the and didn't quite do the same yeah so <laughs> this
1: is this is not what i would call a gay marriage and In her diaries, Anne Lister makes it very clear and outspoken to herself that she is talking herself into being in love with Anne Walker. Mm. And um, this was the problem of this marriage right from the beginning. And Mm. it it took Anne Walker, let's say, two years or so to realize that Ann Lister never really was in love, in love with her. Mm. While Anne Walker for a while, really was deeply in love with Anne Lister. It was never the other way around. And so there was this, um, how would I call it? It was not balanced. Their relationship yeah. was not balanced. And so their marriage was not quite a happy one. And they quarreled mm-hmm. a lot. And after three years, Anne Walker thought about leaving Anne Lister but Ann could not afford to lose Ann Walker's money. So she always managed to talk Ann Walker out of her plans to leave her. They found out that while traveling, they quarreled less. Yeah. So that was a possibility uh, to spend better time with each other. So it's, uh, it's a bit uh, sad.
0: You mentioned that there was a love language of wills, let's put it that way. So, how were the wills written, how they would inherit, and what they would inherit upon someone else's death?
1: So, um, it took Ann Lister a couple of years uh, and several steps until Ann Walker finally agreed to change her will. And Ann Lister did the same. And they both stated that after death, The benefits of the fortune of the deceased would go to the surviving partner, Mm. making sure the surviving partner had more money left. But they would not inherit this fortune. So when the second partner also would have died, the inheritance would go to their respective family.
0: Yeah, I, I find it very interesting, the story of the hotel, the fact that they were out there... Openly as a couple. And I know that they took a pew together at church and so were openly at church together as a couple. What was the wider public response to that courage of being out there as an open couple? They
1: got really hostile responses. For example, some mock announcements in the papers congratulating Captain Tom Lister of the Shipton Hall to his marriage with Anne Walker of Lydgate, which was printed in several newspapers all over Yorkshire. So the whole of Yorkshire laughed about this female couple because it was very easy to guess who was, yeah, knew who it was. <laughs> of Shipton Hall. Not subtle. No, and interestingly enough, as long as Anne Lister lived alone in Shipton Hall, not with a female companion, She was comparatively out in in a surprising way. She openly stated she would never marry a man, but asked rhetorically why not spend life with a female companion. The neighborhood even knew that she planned to live with a female companion one day. And they made jokes about her, but polite jokes. So up until the moment Anne Walker moved in, in Shipton Hall, Anne Lister was accepted, kind of, in her oddities. Oddities was the term she herself described, Mm. her male feelings, her male Mm. desires. But the moment Anne Walker moved in, the attitudes of society, these rather liberal and tolerating attitudes, changed dramatically. Now it turned out Anne Lister had always been serious. She wanted to spend her life with a female companion. But now it became obvious that Anne had taken over Anne Walker's money. And now with Anne Walker's money in control of Anne Lister, the response of patriarchy was strong. Mm. This was something not to be allowed, um, simply looked over like up until the moment uh, when these two women were together. And so they both got these strong responses. And one has to admire the strength and um, the humour of both uh, to stand this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Because one can see these long months on the continent, they travelled a lot together, also as a rescue for society in Halifax. Mm -hmm. So they... At some points, they fled, I think, uh, because the problems at home with society and with money and with all the works done or started with these investments. There was quite something to do and to be angry about and uh, many worries. So traveling was a way to get rid of all this. And as I told you before, they quarrelled less when they were abroad, mm. maybe also because they were not as closely looked at abroad than at home, yeah. so they had more freedom. But all in all, they were very courageous to stand as a kind of, in our words, open couple yeah. out in society.
0: And what was it like for them in Shipton Hall? a day-to-day life they're living together
1: mm, not easy mm. in the beginning they shared a room and the aunt and the father and marian sister all were li- still living there then first the father then the aunt died and marian moved out so they finally had this space for them and walker always missed Her Georgian manor houses, actually, she owned three of them, all more spacey, more elegant, more Mm. modern than this old hut, Shipton Hall, Mm. which did not look like the nice house visitors see today. Tourists who visit Shipton Hall today see the house like it became envisaged by Anne Lister. Anne Lister herself and Anne Walker never saw it that way. So it was a very old house, and Anne Walker did not like it a lot. Quarrelling about these improvements of uh, Shipton Hall was part of their day-to-day routine, for example.
0: Yes. So yeah, it's when these quarrels were significant that they decided to take their big trip in 1839. What happened on this trip?
1: Back in the... It must have been around 1830, so let's say some 10 years earlier. The brother of a former love of Anne Lister, Norcliffe Norcliffe, had told Anne that whoever has not seen St. Petersburg has seen nothing. And since then, Anne Lister wanted to see Russia. She had made uh, several efforts. The one in 1832, really, she was already on her way when she broke up in Denmark. Still, she had this fantasy, I need to see Russia. And she convinced Anne Walker to come along in private. And Lister harbored the idea that from Moscow, she would go on to Persia. But she would not tell Anne Walker because she was afraid that... Walker then would say, "No, darling, will <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> not do that." So, and Walker started this journey thinking they will make their way to Moscow and then come back. They traveled with their own carriage, renting horses from post station to post station. Okay. So they were the last generation who uh, went by horses and in carriages. They tried the first trains that ever existed, the mother of all the Manchester-Liverpool line, but Anlister thought this has no future. (laughs) (laughs) So this system of uh, traveling on uh, post routes was very developed in all of Europe up until Moscow, even beyond. And they made their way through Dover-Calais, through the north of France, the Netherlands, Germany, taking the ferry from Lübeck to Copenhagen, and this was where from then on they took their time because it was new for Anne Lister too. And then they enjoyed Sweden, parts of Norway. Actually they wanted to see the fjords of the Norway of Norway's west coast, but it was raining endlessly, so they broke off and made a nice tour of middle Sweden uh, instead. Then they arrived in Stockholm. They were enchanted by its situation on all these islands in the Baltic Sea. Took the ferry with their carriage to Owu, Turku, meaning today in Finland, back then, Tsarist Russia. And then they are all the way on the south coast of Finland up until St. Petersburg, which they adored like Every, I, I would say like every uh, um, uh, traveler from yeah. <laughs> Western Europe, uh, including mine, but felt that this was still Europe. And the city and this really fell in love with was Moscow, um, which they then arrived. And they spent there four months in the winter of 1839, 40 And, and Lister really fell in love with this mixture of Orient and Occident. So the best parts of both Europe and Asia in one city, meeting there, especially on the markets, people from which they thought almost all the world, including China and Mm -hmm. Persia, people back then. And Lister felt in Moscow, she got to see something from the world even in parts where she would never set her foot. So that was really a great experience to both of them. But Anne Walker thought they would go back now. I assume that she always thought they would go now via Kiev taking Mm. and Berlin, taking the southern route back. But Anne Lister would not. Now she came out with her plan, let's go on to Persia. And they had a serious role. And Anne Walker would not talk to Anne Lister for over a week, I think. But in the end, she had to give up. She could have gone home alone, but no. she would not. No. But Anne Lister would not go home. So uh, <laughs> Anne
0: Walker... <had laughs> there was only her. really one choice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> really only one choice. And now comes one of these big surprises. When I check the dates, you learn that they left Moscow b- beginning February of 1840. And you mm-hmm. think, February? Moscow? It must have been snow and winter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But fact is it was much easier to travel in Russia in winter in these yeah. days because the streets in summer were so bad mm-hmm. that um it was clear that they could not use their English carriage any longer. It was much too heavy for the ways they would plan to go in summer. Now, in winter, everybody used sledges, kibitka they were called. Mm -hmm. And with them, it was very easy and very quick comparatively. So they stored their English carriage at their English hotel in Moscow, most of the luggage as well hired new servants, new Russian servants, and bought new equipment, which was suitable for this winter journey, and bought two of these Russian kibitkas, and went on. And now this is incredible. They went east on the ice and snow, meeting in Nizhny Novgorod, the frozen Volga. And on the frozen Volga, it took them 2,000 kilometers to reach Astrakhan, on the Caspian Sea. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, if you imagine this just traveling in a sledge on the frozen Volga in <laughs> 1840, <laughs> how adventurous
0: these it's two so women adventurous were. It's so adventurous for them
1: both. Yeah. And you know, not only Anne Lister, I mean, Anne Walker was sitting next to her. Yeah. Um, the moment they left Moscow, they were stared at because no one ever had seen two English ladies still wearing their English dresses. These were areas, now regions, where very rarely men from Western Europe came mm-hmm. along. Sometimes a tradesman, sometimes a botanist, and that's it. No one ever traveled there for tourist reasons. Uh, Women from Western Europe never had been seen there. And then Lister and Walker stick to their English female dresses. (laughs) So so they were really stared at, looked at, which allowed them to stare back, which they made very openly. And Lister describes really um, wonderfully encounters with local people. Um, And being women, it allowed them to meet uh, women in their homes. Yeah. To compare what Ann Lister is writing about Russia and the Caucasus, I also read, for example, travel books from German botanists traveling at the very same time in the very same, in the same regions like those English ladies. But these men always complain, I have not seen much of women. I, ha- I don't know anything about family life because as men, they were not allowed to enter. Mm-hmm. But being women, Ann Lister and Ann Walker saw even more than traveling men. Isn't that a surprise? Yeah. But they arrived in uh, Astrahan on the Caspian Sea just before the snow melted. So just in time. And in Astrahan, they put their little wagons on wheels. And through the steppe, which was the hardest part of their journey, they finally reached the, the foot of the greater Caucasus. And This was war zone, you know. They went through Chechnya, um, for example. (laughs) And they were everywhere, in every region in the Caucasus where today there is war Mm. and where travel books tell you, you do not go there. And Lister and Ann Walker went there. And as a biographer and traveling in their footsteps, it was amazing for me to realize that the conflicts are still the same that Andista and Ann Walker encountered, like a few travel into these countries. Me and my wife, we were not daring enough um, to visit Chechnya, <laughs> <Yeah>, for example. <laughs> but they made it over the Great Caucasus and ended up in Tbilisi in spring 1840, uh, today the capital of Georgia. And they liked it a lot. And in the beginning, they were quite exhausted. But they recovered and, and Lister, after four months, tried to find her way to Persia. But she there had to learn that Persia really was out of her reach. Even for a woman of her strong will, it was impossible to travel as a tourist through war zones. So she convinced Anne Walker to go to Baku in today's Azerbaijan, which mm-hmm. was also Russian back then, and where such a postal route still went, they had a marvelous journey there, especially Anne Walker, who did not want to come at all, really enjoyed Baku, and always through the lens of Anne diaries, so we cannot be quite sure, it seems that Anne Walker enjoyed this journey in the Caucasus, although she had not wanted to come she enjoyed it there, and she liked the sun, the fruits. She came along with people, while andista Lister more and more seemed to be harassed. She wanted to see this, she wanted to see that. She had her plan. While and Walker was able to relax and see from day to day and moment to moment what is possible, and they saw amazing things when it comes to historical sites nature, mountain areas. I try to see everything they saw in Azerbaijan and mm-hmm. Georgia. And I've seen almost everything, but not everything, because even today, at one time, I would have needed a horse to get there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am not a rider, as <laughs> as enlist and, and walker were. So, these courageous two ladies of the 19th century with their skirts have seen more than I am a modern woman of the
0: 20th century with a hired car. I mean, it's a testament to their adventurous nature and just how far they went together.
1: At some point, they left their Russian kibitkas on the way because they wanted to explore the mountain regions on horseback. Mm-hmm. They hired several horses and local guides. Roughly some five weeks or so, everything went well, and they saw extraordinary things in remote regions. But then all of a sudden, on August in 1840, the Diaries stops. Yeah. And we know that five weeks later she was dead, and we do not know exactly what happened in between, but she caught an infectious disease and uh, she died. Hmm. And, and Walker had the horrible task to th- bring the body back, which she did, but which must have been a nightmare.
0: Yeah, and it must have been such a profound loss for Anne Walker to lose firstly her wife, but also Anne Lister, who was such a presence, Mm -hmm. so far away from home. It must have been incredibly complicated and difficult for her. It's too bad we do not know anything.
1: Anne Walker has not written about it, or at least we haven't found anything, no traces. It seems that she has not uttered later a word about it. So it's completely our imagination uh, what happened and how she coped with, you know, it's true what you say. This could be one of uh, her reactions. The Another could be maybe she felt liberated. Mm-hmm. And Lister was such a dominating partner and yeah. also... This journey, and Walker had to do what Anne Lister wanted to. So although Anne Walker coped with it and got along and also enjoyed this uh, journey, she had no choice but follow Anne Lister. And hmm. so finally, maybe there was also a kind of relief next to next to the horror and trauma and feeling of loss and sadness and everything.
0: And she returned to Shipton Hall.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And what was life like for her there?
1: Very, very difficult. Mm. Um, she had to return to Shipton Hall because, in the meantime, she had rented out her three yes. old manor houses. So actually, but quite a had- long
0: tenancy as well, hadn't she? So it was quick yeah. out of it. Yeah. So
1: the only place she had to go was Shipton Hall. Mm. Uh, but she had now this right to go there because of Ann Lister's uh, will. Mm-hmm. But the Lister family, or the branch of the Lister family, which one day after Anne Walker's death would inherit Shipton Hall, were impatient. And they did not want to have Anne Walker spend her whole life as she was young. Uh, mm-hmm. So they did not want to wait up until she died, uh, they wanted to have Shipton Hall and its incomes at once. So they started quarrelling in court. This was the one side of their en- of her enemies. And the other side was her brother-in-law, this Captain Sutherland, who had mm. married her sister Elizabeth. And he wanted now um, to gain also Anne Walker's and Anne Lister's fortune. Mm. So she was surrounded by men who somehow wanted to have her and and Lister's money and everything. And it took Captain Sutherland not long to convince a doctor and the local police that Anne Walker needs mental treatment. And against her will, they took her from Shipton Hall and brought her into an asylum in York for mental diseases where she had two years up until she could leave there again. So I think it can be safely said that after losing your partner in the middle of nowhere, very far away from home, bringing a body back on a journey which took her seven months. When Ann Walker arrived back home in Halifax, she was shaken, I think. Yeah. I for sure. So really looks like Captain Sutherland Mm. wanted to make use of the situation of a frail Anne Walker who could not resist against such attacks.
0: Yeah. So she ended up dying at the family home February 1854. And so obviously nowadays we know the Anne Lister and Anne Walker story through, especially Gentleman Jack, is what brought their story to the whole wider public. What do you see their legacy for the public nowadays?
1: I think the TV series is great in the sense that much money was spent to make a broad audience feel with the lesbian couple of the yeah. 19th century. And everybody wants Anne and Anne being happy. And this in primetime uh, TV, this is simply great. And Saran yeah. Jones... Uh, is a splendid Anne Lister. Isn't she just, I think she's great. She's great, yeah. So there's much to say in favour of the TV series. Now comes my butt. There was not such romance as the TV show tells us. Anne Lister was a selfish person, and um, especially in her later years. And she played with Ann Walker and she had her own agenda in mm. marrying her, as we have talked now a lot about it. So I wonder whether there is really a legacy of this couple because they are also, it's its simply a sad story. with mm-hmm. Many sad sides to their story. So I think what we have talked before for example, this moment when they both uh, laid that groundstone for this hotel at Northgate, they are being out as a couple, even in 1835. This is really a legacy, uh, their courage. But it shows us also um, how should I put that? I think, for example, the story with this blue plaque at the church in York. It tells us so much about our wishes. Yeah. And history is always seen from today's eyes. And I realized when I wrote Anne Lister's biographies how much I want to have a positive heroine, someone mm-hmm. to worship and a real, uh, an idol, you know. But Anne Lister was a human being. She was not easy to love, for Anne Walker, for example. Yeah. And she is not easy to love still today. She was an anti-feminist. Yeah. <laughs> she, was, she, um, she was anti-democratic. Uh, she was a strict Tory. She was against the unions, against uh, her workers. In a way, you could even blame her to be a misogynist. So she is a difficult Historical person and not mm. easy to love. And she makes us clear that we have a story with her while she obviously is not interested in us any longer. <laughs> so we use her, um, to build our stories. And I think this is, this is part of this legacy. For example, as a feminist or a lesbian, Also, the big figures in our history have been human beings with all their flaws and (laughs) that come along. And so next to the courage she had as being kind of open out, opening out, is this telling us more about ourselves? As a legacy.
0: Yeah, I mean, leaving the diaries in itself is just um, an incredible feat to be able to have. And as a biography, it gives you such rich material to work with.
1: Mm-hmm. I really felt like all the girls Anne had. I first fell in love with her. And then I realised that she betrayed me. <laughs> <laughs> and not only with all these other girls, but also as being not a feminist, not a democrat, you know, being a person of her time.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. they were definitely people of their time in an incredibly extraordinary ex- situation that we now take so much meaning from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for talking to me about a few of Anne Lister's loves, but mainly Anne and Ann Walker, because they're extraordinary in many ways. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for inviting me. And thank you so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I know I thoroughly enjoyed talking to Angler about Anne and Anne. I think my favourite part was definitely listening to Angler talk about their travels because one it just sounded like they saw such amazing things and two because I think it just highlights what remarkable women both Anne Lister and Anne Walker were they were I think a really courageous couple and their legacy is so powerful but I've also found it fascinating delving a little deeper into the realities of their love story. Of course, I think it's really important to remember that the main source material that we have about their lives together is Anne Lister's diary, and whilst this is an incredible insight into their world, I also think it is important to remember that the role of a diary is to document unfiltered personal thoughts. It was private to Anne, hence the coding, and therefore I think it should be remembered as an incredibly one-sided and possibly reactionary account of their relationship. So I'd really love to learn more about Anne Walker because I find her very compelling. I mean, she took a leap, which was not in a way as significant a jump for Anne Lister to live openly together, to be visible together, like at the church and at the hotel. I think she's really a very interesting person to learn about and i'm sure though that we'll be learning more and more now as time goes on with all of this wonderful interest that's ever growing around this complicated and striking and wonderful couple angela's book gentleman jack a biography of ann lister regency landowner seducer and secret diarist was published by Serpent's Tale and is available on Amazon and at Waterstones and I'm sure any good bookshop. It is a particularly good read if you'd like to learn more about all of the loves in Anne's life, not just the ones we've touched on in more or less detail in this episode. And, well, Angela also, honestly, is just an absolute darling who is really curious about Enlista and her many, many facets. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening to it now. I love reading your reviews. It warms my soul, fills me with love. So I would be very grateful always to hear your thoughts on the podcast. As always... If past loves has become your current love and you want to hear more about history through the lens of the most romantic tales from the past, be sure to follow me on Instagram at Past Loves Podcast, where there are even more stories to enjoy. Thank you again for listening. Until soon.